Hello and a warm welcome to Translate Stars podcast, a podcast created by language professionals for language professionals. And we are live. Hi everyone, I'm Roberta, Translate Stars content manager, and I'm here today, not to the other side, <laughs> with Sebastian Ewald, freelance German transcreation maestro. Hi Sebastian, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> so we're here today to talk about creativity and trans creation. But before we start, please remember to drop your questions in the chat if you want to ask Sebastian anything. And um, this interview will be recorded, so you can also catch up on it later. So are you ready, Sebastian? I'm totally ready. Let's go. <laughs> okay, let's get started. Um, could you please explain uh, what trans creation is and how it it is different from traditional translation and copywriting? Oh, fair question. So translation is all about the words and the message behind it, right? Localization then comes in and makes this message market relevant. And then on top of that, transcreation moves out a bit further, basically uses the source as an inspiration and um, goes into the subtext and the emotional connection that the message drives. So it's used a lot in marketing, for example, to sell stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, how did you first uh, become, become interested in transcreation? Um, did you actively pursue this field or did it happen more organically? I don't know. Um, I was transcreating long before I knew what transcreation even was. And from my point of view, I was just sitting there. I was localizing, but always going the extra mile thing. Um, I've worked in video games for over 10 years, uh, well, 12 years. And um, the first time I heard about transcreation was some six or seven years ago. So by that time, I had already done it for, you know, for a long time. And like, okay, that word makes sense. This, this is what we've been doing all the time. It's not just localization. So I kind of stumbled into it but you know working in video games today i work mostly in marketing but working in video games you have um a lot of stuff that is that you just can't translate outright right where you have to get creative so you have things like uh jokes and flavors you have titles that need to talk to people you have packaging you have space restrictions in the software and whatnot so uh we always had to transcreate the whole team and yeah i mean that's how i i learned to translate, that's the only way I know how to handle it. Yeah, that's a, a pretty common story that I hear all the time. So I'm a trans creator, but uh, I was trans creating before I knew what trans creation was. And then I met the term and I realized, okay, so I'm a trans creator. <laughs> yeah, I still feel like th this word is pretty new, but it's, uh, it's probably one of those things that has been around for 30 years or longer. Um, but it's, for me, it was just new and just, you know, it was the natural way to translate. Mm -hmm. So um, transcreation requires a very high degree of creativity. And um, how do you consistently nurture and maintain your creative skills and to produce effective content? Yeah, transcreation, uh, creativity, creativity is like ketchup, right? You know, it's, it's all stuck in that bottle until that one moment when it all pours out and you have a giant mess. So um, when the floodgates open, I try. So how do I, how do I keep my creativity flowing? So regardless of anybody's you know, level of creativity, you need to to nurture it a bit. So um, 
I do two things to keep my creativity flowing. So number one is I surround myself with creative things, right? You can see the picture here to my to my left, right? I surround myself with uh, with uh, things that I love, with nerdy things, with creative things, right? So I have this poster. I have another one up there. The up there is a shelf with you know figurines and then collectibles and everything. So when I sit down here. I'm already in a completely different zone than if I'm sitting on the couch or wherever. So I'm already in a creative mindset. And the second thing I do is I try to learn from the competition in quotation marks, right? Um, so whenever like a new Netflix series comes out or a Marvel movie or, you know, you name it, I watch it in English and I take mental notes of, hey, this looked difficult or, oh, interesting. Like, how did they do that? So I watch it in English and then I watch it a second time in German. And I look up these little quirks there where I had the mental notes and try to learn from that. It's like, oh, this is how you solve this problem. This is something you can use in the future. So we have a comment from Mateus that um, says, interesting in some way I've been transcreating too without knowing I was doing it already. So yeah, that's pretty common. <laughs> That's 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 familiar. It's just all about the extent and realizing it. And there are two kind kind of two ways to to transcreating there. So you have this, um, like I told, like where you're just forced to transcreate, but then you also have the real transcreation projects where you always create more than one version of it, right? You send it out to the client, um, or you get the project from the client, and they want translation for this or transcreation for this, and you send them like three or three or four versions for them to pick their favorite ones with you know back, back translations explanations and this is something new that I have now when I'm working in marketing It's not something that I had when I was working in video games where I just had to find a solution to a problem by translating. Mm -hmm. And back to the um, creativity, um, do you have some strategies or techniques to overcome the famous, more like infamous, creative block? Or find inspiration when you're Luckily, stuck. Luckily, that's not a not a problem I deal with often. But I try <laughs> to recede myself, like to take a few steps back. And maybe sometimes you just need to blow some fresh wind through your brain. You, know, you need to watch a YouTube video or whatever, or just get inspiration. Um, these days, you can also use AI for some. You know, sometimes you're just stuck and you have it on the tip of your tongue, but you can't find the right words. This is a good you know use for AI, for example, or um, talk to a colleague. I think that helps. Like when I used to work in a team, it was much easier. Now that I'm a freelancer working alone, it's become a bit more difficult. But if you keep like a close circle of colleagues you trust, you can always pick their brain about something and it, it gets you over the hump most of the time. Mm -hmm. So we have two comments. Um, that's pretty funny. Uh, personally, I feel transcreation is localization pro max. Yeah, I totally, totally I agree. With that, yeah. <laughs> it's the premium version of localization. Yeah, and we have another uh, comment. This is so, this is so interesting. Please give more example of transcreation for easy understanding. Um, could you help Toot? Sure. I mean, uh, this is obviously what we're going to talk about during the master class next week. Uh, we're going to do plenty of examples, but you know, any kind of um, marketing slogan or anything that you can't just translate where we're focusing on the words doesn't make any sense, where it's all about the emotions behind the words. So the best example is usually a marketing slogan, right? But then you also have, you run into problems where you just need to translate because translation is not an option at all. Like 
a joke. Jokes don't translate between one language to another or even between one culture to another, right? A joke that works in America doesn't necessarily work in Britain or the other way around. That's just within the same language. So you need, would have to find something there. And it gets even more complicated if there's a whole other language in between. So jokes is something. Um, flavors. Uh, or I use a lot of transcreation when there's stuff like space issues. When you have to say the same thing, but you know, you're very, very limited. So like your normal translation wouldn't fit in there. So you just have to reach out and look through a bunch of synonyms and find something that actually fits the space. That's also, you know, you create something new. Mm -hmm. So actually, before you spoiled my following question, uh, <laughs> that was about AI. So you said that you use AI in your work. Uh, so you probably recommend it. Um, and could you please share some prompts that can be I, I... helpful? No, um, let's let's start with, I would recommend it. I don't think I would necessarily <laughs> recommend it. Uh, there's some distinct use cases where it absolutely makes sense. I mean, AI is a new tool and we still need to see where it has its place. But um, I think it works better for translation than for transcreation. The main problem with AI is AI uses stuff that already exists, right? It regurgitates stuff that, you know, has been written somewhere else. And it's really not what you want in transcreation. In transcreation, you want to create, right? You don't want to use stuff. I mean, just imagine a marketing slogan. You don't want to send a slogan to a marketeer that the competition has already used six years ago. That that That's not going to use, that, that's no use. But you can use AI for a set of controlled things. That's what I do. So um, as I said, like finding synonyms or getting over the hump or finding the word that's on the tip of your tongue. That's That's something um where it really makes sense to use ai uh or um a good use case is if you have something and it's just too long right you need to shorten it by one line or by six characters or you know and you just can't find a way go to the ai it can help you with this, this is really good for that one so it's just use it as a tool but in a controlled environment the other thing is um a change of tone might also be a good use case so um, you write it one way and then you see like, ah, oh, it doesn't really sound right, but I need to make this sound more um, business-like or more kids-friendly or um, make this sound like a lawyer or like a doctor, you know, like this is a quote from somebody who said that make it sound like he, you know, like an actual doctor. This is, this is a good use case for AI, but we always have to think that it's a public database. You don't know what that saves that stuff. And we're all under NDA when we're working usually. So it's a bit tricky, all right? So there's always something to keep in mind. As for the prompts, I don't really have any anything specific, but I have two tips of what well, you should include in your prompt when you're talking to AIs. Number one, you should always tell the AI who's talking in your text. So um, tell the AI, okay, I wanted to act as a copywriter or I wanted to act uh, as a marketing manager or as a mother or as a, I don't know, male kindergarten teacher, you name it, you know, what, whatever fits the setting. So write it this way. You are this, this is your scenario. And the second thing that people often forget when working with AIs is creating three or four or five versions doesn't cost you any more than just creating one, right? So tell the AI right away to create two or three versions. There's mostly enough. Sometimes you want 10 if it's a short sentence or something. And then you have a lot to choose from, right? It's inspiration for your brain. Uh, and you can see different approaches to the thing. And then you can, you know, it's much easier for you to 
fix something, correct something, etc. Okay, so we have a bunch of questions. Um, the first one is from Santiago, and he asked, "What are some common challenges faced by trans creators, and how can they overcome these challenges to maintain the authenticity of the message?" Hmm. Difficult. I think that's, this one varies a lot from project to project. Um, so during the masterclass next week, I will have a whole whole slide of challenges and dangers of trans creation. But um, one of my well, one of my big pains is like going down the rabbit hole. Right? You try to come up with something and you just keep chasing that idea and you keep chasing and suddenly you wasted an hour for nothing. Uh, it's something that is much more prevalent in trans creation than it is in translation. Um, so yeah, how do you overcome challenges and keep authenticity is really in the brief. You need to understand your creative brief. And if you have any doubts, any questions whatsoever, go reach out and, you know, like get to your client, pick their brains, ask them. And um, when I approach somebody, I always give them like two versions, right? It's like, I understand it this way or I understand it that way. Can you please tell me what resonates more with your understanding of it? So that that helps. It's a good way to overcome it. But you can't, like with translation, transcreation as well, you can't um, translate the message if you don't understand the message. So you need to be fully part of the brief and understand the emotional impact that it has and that it's supposed to have um, from the source towards the target. So um, I was thinking that, yeah, maybe when you work with direct direct clients, it's easier. But um, do you also work with agencies? So the communication is a bit trickier, I think. It It is trickier. Yeah, it's like you're lucky when you're working with direct clients, obviously. Um, then you can always you be integrated and you can sometimes you know, just have a chat and you can poke them in the chat. That's great. Um, otherwise, you always have to go through your PMs and then the communication is as good or bad as the PM handles it, which is sad. But I have to say, like for transcreation projects, I have made mostly positive experiences with the PMs. It's um, it can become much more difficult for normal translation projects and just you know one-offs for them. And um, an agency that handles transcreation usually deals with bigger clients regularly, so they it's also in their best interest to keep the clients happy, right? Yeah, of course. Um, we have another question from Beatriz. Yes. Um, do you consider that creative translators have innate abilities? Uh, that's also a tricky one. <laughs> that is that is very tricky. I mean, you need to come equipped with, with two things, uh, in, like an inherent creativity. Right? There's just some people who don't have that or don't feel that they have that. And the second thing is writing chops. You really need to be a writer. Uh, if you if you can't put an idea into text and put the same idea into text in five different ways, you're going to struggle as a translator. That's much easier as a translator, where you're just focusing on the words. So creativity and well, writing skills are the two things that I say every translator needs to come equipped with. Otherwise, they're going to struggle in this. And we have another one from Marta, and she asks, who are your clients? And we partially answered that, but um, how do you get in touch with them? That's interesting. That is very difficult. I don't have a good answer to that one. Um, 
like I was lucky enough to get a lot of clients through word of mouth. So you work with one and then they recommend you to somebody else and then you can work with that. So that's, that's that. Um, I have had a couple of transcreation projects that I just slipped into because, Hey, the usual guy was on vacation. So, and I was in their database so they approached me and what, what I did stuck then. <clears throat> so they kept working with me. So that's good. But going out there and finding trans creation clients, I don't think that's something I've ever done actively like this. I mean, it's how I market myself a little bit, right? Um, I think like one of the best ways is to have the clients come to you, right? You don't want to go out and call the email and say, hey, I'm a trans creator. Here's my portfolio. Um, I don't think that's going to stick. But if you keep like an active LinkedIn profile and you share actual skills and things to say and you know show show what you've done then you're out there right people will comment on it if it's interesting enough and it will spread and this is how you reach new clients and you get more visibility i you know there are classes out there that teach how to handle this kind of stuff um i'm not saying that i'm particularly good at it i rather you know i prefer to focus on the work and stay off of social media but this is this is how it works this is how you get into it show what you got show what you can and let them find you make yourself visible we have a question from patricia um how could you measure the results of your transcreated text ah this is this is great um so a translation you can measure in correct or incorrect, like this word represents that word, right? Uh, localization you would measure in appropriate and inappropriate. So like this works for the target market or it doesn't work for the target market. Uh, transcreation, I would measure in effective and ineffective. Right? If I have, but well, we're, we're trying to talk to the emotions. So is my message addressing the right emotions in the reader? Is it speaking to the reader? Do I address the target audience correctly or do I not? That's, this is how I would measure it. Um, how do you do that in practice is a bit difficult, right? Usually you send out your versions to your client and you know they want they have three lines that they want transcreated. You send three versions for each line. They're gonna let a, um, let a you know proofreader reviewer run over it. You can see what they changed already. That will give you some feedback if you were on the right track or not. And then in the end, any good uh, partner will give you the results back of what the client picked, what they liked and what they didn't like. And this is how you work from. Now, this can be very different from one client to the next client. Right? But um, this, this is how I measure myself. I see what stuck and what didn't stick. And the next time I work with them, I try to you know go with the stuff that stuck. Mm -hmm. So I'm back to my questions and we're talking now about um, cultural context. So transcreation often involves adapting content for different um, cultural contexts. So how do you stay informed about cultural trends and nuances and um, how important is cultural sensitivity in your work? Uh, it's, it's paramount. It's paramount. You really have to know your target audience. And that's not just the culture overall, but sometimes it's just a segment of the culture. Uh, for me, that's especially difficult because I'm not 
living in the market that I'm translating for, not anymore. Right? I'm a German, but I live in France, but I do translate for the German market. So it's extra work. I have to put in extra work. Um, things that I do to keep up with everything, like instead of listening to playlists while I'm working, I'm listening to web radios. So I have on top of the music, I have people talking, I have ads playing, I, you know, I have real communication there of how people talk today right now. Um, the second one is, I mean, we all want to avoid the how you do fellow kids. So you like, you lose touch with other generations as well. Right. Um, and, and that's very difficult. So what I do is like, first of all, when I get back to Germany, which is like three or four times per year, I really put in the effort to go out there and just consciously look around. How do people talk to each other? What are the ads saying? What are the posters? What are, you know, what's running on TV and how is that going? Um, I have a nephew who's perfect Gen Z age, so I try to talk to him a lot. I also sometimes pick his brain about, you know, it's like, here, yeah, I have these two things. Like, what do you think, like, resonates better with you? What would you pick? And I was like, yeah, this one, you know. So there's a little bit of help there. Um, but it does take effort, and it needs to be conscious research that you're basically doing on how, how everything is developing. So look at the world around you. Uh, a brilliant tip that I've received lately and something I'm not doing enough of, but we should all do that. We, you know, whether you're translator, transcreator, whatever. A brilliant tip is podcasts. Because podcasts exist in any language and for any target audience. There's a podcast for everything. You know, whether it's for, uh, if you wanna brush up on your Gen Z, how do they talk? You know, how do they address each other? How, like, what's important to them? Whether it's, I don't know, sustainability and electric cars or fashion trends or, I don't know, what do middle-aged men do these days or what do mothers <laughs> care about? It's really like there's a podcast for everything, for every interest group. And if you're preparing yourself for, for a specific project or for a specific target audience, go listen to those podcasts. Then you catch up on the language, the vocabulary these people are using. And uh, I think that's a super, super helpful tip and I need to do more of that. Um, we have a question from... Beatrice again, I think. Um, before delivering your translation, do you show them to any friend or any other person to somehow test your translation translation? So you said um you often talk to your nephew. Do you have other, I don't know, testers, special persons that help yeah. you work in your work? Uh, I never I never show my work to my nephew. I just pick their brains on, uh, on mm, mm, mm. brains on a you know a couple of uh, expressions, maybe. Um, I mean, we're all under NDA, so you can't disclose stuff. If you're lucky enough to work with, like, um, in a team, then yeah, go pick somebody else's brain. <laughs> That's, I mean, just, like, you're all under, if you're part of the same organization, go go do it. Um, if you want to pick the brain of somebody who's not within your organization, you need to rephrase everything. You need to hide everything, but you can, of course, things like that. Um, but... Do I show my work to anybody? No, I don't. I show it to myself and I show it to I show it to future Zep. Right? What I write <laughs> today, I will show it to future Zep tomorrow. I need to sleep a night between it before I deliver it. And then not only do I like go over it with a with a fresh brain and a fresh set of eyes, I also um I use a lot of text to speech. So whatever I have, whatever format it is, I will post it. I will um I will post it into a Word document and just have text-to-speech run over it. 
because just reading it, especially when I've written it myself, I'm never going to find all the quirks and mistakes and the things that just don't, don't sound right. So I need a voice reading it for me. And this helps me a lot to improve the quality. That's really wise, I think. <laughs> and um, I have another question for you that um, is about your experience. Um, could you please share some um, examples of a particularly challenging or rewarding transcreation project that you've worked on, NDA, you know, considering the NDA, and um, what made it stand out for you? You wanna you wanna steal my thunder before we even start the masterclass. <laughs> <laughs> so um okay, 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 okay. I'm gonna give you my favorite one, my favorite. Um so I was working on a video game. I know video game is not, you know, like what most people who are watching right now are working on, but it just it, it's giving you it comes up with a lot of happy moments that just stick with you. But we had this um in this game I was working on, we introduced this race of like monkey-like creatures. And they were very special because of the way they talked. They used some very crude vocabulary. They would, the idea behind them was that they sound like they're swearing all the time, like they're using curse words the whole time, but it still needs to be family friendly. So it couldn't be real curse words. So it just needed to sound like curse words. Mm -hmm. So what I, what I had to do, and it was, it was just such a great experience is I had to write like a whole glossary of, you know, pseudo swear words that they could then use and it, it's just super amazing you know like in the masterclass we're gonna go through that approach and see like how i did it and what the results are but it was so cool to just come up with some fantasy words that are just there for their sound and then everything went to recording and the audios come back you know with some voice talents interpretation of it and we were rolling on the floor laughing because it was just <laughs> so great and then you have to imagine, you know, that moment comes, the game goes live, the players go in, they go into the first dungeon, there's a big monkey boss in front of them, and he shouts something at them that just makes them giggle hard. That's just a super experience. We had a, a ton of comments, like, in the in the forums, just people discussing this, and this is, like, so rewarding afterwards. Yeah, that was effective, because it made them laugh. Exactly. And, I mean, it just effective in... in conveying that emotion like you're supposed to feel insulted by this even you even though you don't understand <laughs> what they're saying you know why but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we have a question from patricia um i suppose you should always be native in target language and know very well very well culture and idioms in source language uh yeah absolutely i mean uh how are you gonna reproduce something like for example, I live in France. I speak enough French, but I wouldn't catch the nuances between one word and another in terms of what emotional impact does that have. Because I haven't grown up here. I don't know the language and the quirks of the language well enough. I haven't read French literature. I haven't watched French TV. So I don't know these, these little things, even though I live here. I can't connect on an emotional level with everything. Um, a lot of people can probably relate like, in your second language or your third language, you go somewhere and you like you're really good at that language, but you just don't understand the jokes. And that like you don't find the jokes as funny as somebody who lived there. It's it's just like that. You know, this is this is probably a point that most people can relate to in the in their second language. It takes a while. Like humor, even when you you know you master the language, you can't necessarily connect with the humor. 
So we have an appreciation comment from Maria that says, uh, this is, that is an awesome, awesome example, the curse glossary. Yeah. Really was, <laughs> was my favorite. <laughs> I've done a lot of cool things and I'm not allowed to talk about all of those. But this, um, just so much fun. Like anything that's connected to audio just emphasizes the whole thing. And then, you know, when you ship it out and you see to people and you see the reactions, it's not something that we typically have um, working in marketing, for example, right? You, do, you write a slogan and it goes out. Maybe they publish it, maybe they don't. Maybe it's just a trial project, whatever. But it goes out and it's plastered on the billboard but you won't hear what people talk what people say about it whereas you know it's a, it's a unique thing like if you do movies or video games or something like that you'll find people talking about it people are passionate about that stuff and then you can get your feedback so i have one last question for you and um so next week you're going to be teaching your transcreation masterclass uh, yeah i've posted <laughs> the link in the chat uh if someone wants to check it out and so what makes it so different from other transcreation courses uh, you're putting me on the spot here i i, <laughs> I haven't um i consider myself an expert in transcreation so i don't do a lot of transcreation courses by other people no but i have a rough idea of what i wanted to to teach with this one and um so i think the main differentiator is the width rather than the depth okay so um we have another we have another class on on translate stars uh with helen and she's mostly focusing on the day-to-day -day experience of transcreator whereas i'm focusing more on how does transcreation work why does it work what tips and tricks do you need to know to to get that going so um obviously there's going to be a lot of overlap between this transcreation masterclass and uh, any other transcreation masterclass because we need to establish a baseline. So we're going to talk about the definition and the differences to translation, localization, etc. Uh, so we're going to look at that. But once that baseline is established, we're going to really take off and you know hit the ground running. We're going to um, look at examples from the world around us and why they work. All right, we're going to look at stuff from um, marketing slogans marketing messages and see why they work why they resonate what this company was thinking with that um and how you transcreate something from english we're going to use english as a source language for everything because you know, the class will be in english um to you know transcreate different languages just see the different approaches we're going to compare a lot of things and we're not going to focus exclusively on marketing like probably most other transcreation master or transcreation classes do um, because I've worked in such a broad spectrum. Uh, we're going to look at we're going to look at marketing, we're going to look at entertainment, we're going to look at arts and we're going to look at everything that is restrictions. So um, space restrictions, timing, lip sync, rhymes, songs. We're going to go the whole nine yards and we're going to do it, you know, with like with passion we're not gonna have a snooze fest you have me talking about, <laughs> i love talking about that stuff so um we're not gonna hit you up with walls of text and you read that no 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 we're gonna really talk about these things and analyze why they work and what we can learn from that because even i think like if you're just focusing on marketing transcription you're missing out on a lot of tips and tricks that you can get from these other aspects and this is what this is all about so we're covering a lot of ground wide 
and not going depth into you know the 150s marketing example of how this could have been done differently or whatever. Um, yeah, I think that's the that's the main aspect of the class. And then of course we're gonna tie everything together with exercises. I've prepared a ton of exercises also with examples from the world around us. Everything is real, nothing is made up. <laughs> um, we're gonna we're gonna jump in there and. Um, I hope we have the time that I can critique one or two, but that that depends on the flow. We only have six hours to work with, um, but hey, I'm always here. You can always pick my brain afterwards. Okay, so see you on October 10th, I think. Yeah, it's next week, next week. And um, yeah, that's all, folks, for today. Um, thank you, Sebastian, for your precious time and advice. And thanks to our audience for your very interesting questions and for being with us tonight. Um, so have a very nice evening. And I'm looking forward to seeing you next week at Sebastian's Transcreation Masterclass. Oh, yeah. I want to see all of you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, honestly, thank you so much for watching. I hope what, I, what we said here was interesting one way or another. Thank you for the great questions. These were great questions. Um, and yeah, I, I'm... You know, you've experienced me and my passion about talking about the stuff that I love. I want to give that all to you next week. Come and join me. Okay. Um, have a super nice evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody.